0: okay, so now we're coming to the heart of of job's story as we uh, come to the end of uh, chapter two here we're going to get started with uh, the main body of the work the rest of the book um, except for at the very end where God makes his entrance is uh, it's about job's interactions with his with his friends and and their misunderstandings about God and suffering and all that Job is going through, and it's going to be the discourse between the three friends and with Job. Um, the remarkable thing, well, to me, about well, the whole book of Job is that we read the advice and the the opinions of his three friends, uh, Zophar, Bildad, and Eliphaz. And uh, why someone's mom would name them those names, I have no idea. But because we have the information that these characters in the narrative don't have, uh, we know that they're wrong in what they're saying to Job. They uh, they tend to spend most of their time trying to condemn Job, telling him about, you know, his he must be... Uh, such a sinful person, such a an offense to God because God doesn't do what God has done to Job to people who are devoted to God. And we know that that's wrong because God has already said in the beginning of Job that Job was blameless before him. And remember, go back to those other lessons. We're not talking about sinless. We're talking about blameless and being devoted to God. Um, but the scary thing about this whole process that Job and his friends go through, is that much of the advice they give Job is the same advice that we as believers are tempted to give people who are in the midst of their suffering. Um, And, I mean, even if it would never cross your lips that a person who is going through a great trial or a tragedy is doing so because of some secret evil sin they're hiding um, even if you'd never say that to a person struggling through um, the worst of trials, um, it's easy to think this it's easy to uh, to let your mind go to well this person must have done something really bad and God's punishing them for this and uh, it, it's easy to to do those things and and to be honest, I'm not saying that God doesn't discipline his children through suffering of course he does but All suffering is not attributed to discipline. All suffering is not because God is punishing you for something. All suffering is not because God is displeased with you. Um, And that's what we're going to find in the book of Job. And it's already been completely explained to us in the beginning why Job is going through this. As we read through the advice and the opinions of Job's friends... Um, we always have to keep in mind that we know why job is suffering. Job is suffering because job was a righteous man and his righteousness and his blamelessness uh, before God is being put to the test and um, that may not be that may not be something that uh that job uh, knows anything about yet or his friends know anything about yet, but we know that, so all the reasons for job's suffering, all the reasons and the the things that his friends say um, if they are not in line with what God has already said about job, then it's false now here's the tricky part, and this is what we have to really make sure we understand there are a lot of things that the friends will say that are actually true, but they are misapplied to Job, which makes things a little confusing. Let me give you an example. There are going to be two sections later on in the book where uh, Bildad and I think Eliphaz, they explain the plight of those who have sinned against God. And basically, they give descriptions of what we would call hell. They give descriptions of being in utter loneliness and utter darkness, and this is what God does to sinners. This is what God does to those who who uh you know have forsaken His name and have forgot you know he and He just talks about the suffering that God um allows for these wretched, vile people, and you know they just go into great detail of those things. Well, guess what that is in fact. Um, a reality that will be realized you know when Christ returns, he will separate the sheep and the goats, and the goats will uh, the people who have not trusted in him, the people who are bound by their own works will go into everlasting punishment, and it will be all those things. it will be separation from God, it will be all the torments that are listed you know by job 's friends. Uh, So in that they are saying true things. The problem is they're misapplying that truth to Job because we know that Job is not suffering because God has left him. We know that Job is not suffering because God uh, does this to wicked people. We know that Job is devoted to God. We know that he's blameless in God's sight. And so Job's suffering is coming for different reasons so we have to be very very careful when we're interpreting the book of Job that we don't start mixing apples and oranges because oftentimes the friends will say true things but they're not true universally and certainly not true in Job's case so we'll be pointing those out as we go along I just want you to to be sure that you're aware of that that uh, the friends when they when they give Job advice, it's going to be bad advice for Job. Um, but they're not always going to say things that are just exactly not true all the way across the board. Um, for instance, you know, when we're talking about this thing where we tend to think if something bad's going on, God must be displeased with you. Um, it's just easier to think that other people deserve what's happening to them. You know, it's in that universe that where you get what you deserve, it's just easier. But, uh, you know, I'm sure that you're aware when something happens to you or something happens to us, the first thing we cry is like what Job is going to cry at the end of the book. Why God, it's not fair. Um, but the reality is much different as we progress through the book. Uh, more and more, this will become clear, and we'll be we'll be able to apply these things um, to our own views of god the the working of the universe and 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 human suffering in general um, in chapter two verses um, eleven and thirteen, they introduce us to these three friends, and we'll get to know them throughout the the rest of the book at their interactions with job uh, but when we meet them. Job's friends are coming for a very good reason. They're coming to comfort Job in his time of need. Verse 11 reads, Now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that had come upon him, they came each from their own place, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite. Uh, they made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and comfort him. His friends had heard. Of the great trials that Job was facing. And and they were demonstrating compassion. By coming together to strengthen and comfort him. A- at this point in the narrative. Job's friends are working lovingly. And honorably on Job's behalf. Um, what I want you to see. What you need to notice is that they came. Um, each one from their own country. To come to Job. So remember in those days traveling wasn't as easy as it is today it took a long time today we can travel 100 miles in you know just a few hours but it wasn't so in those days um there are many speculations as to exact the exact locations of of team where where um bildad was from was it bildad no eliphaz was from where eliphaz was from um you know the the city in Edom, and uh, there's different locations that are talked about for the Shuahites and Namathites. But the point is that these men came together um, for the specific purpose of helping Job, and they came from their own lands, which was which would have entailed a uh, a good journey. So uh, they were coming for good reason. They were showing compassion. So even though we're going to see that their theology is all screwed up. We're gonna see that their ideas about suffering and who God is and how God operates is all messed up. Um, let's take a minute at the beginning of this narrative just to give them the benefit of that and show them that you know when they first came, they were coming because they cared about Job and they wanted to they wanted to comfort him. Even in the midst of of his most horrible suffering, uh, Job had people around him who loved him enough to to make this journey to help him. Um, The text says that they they made an appointment together to come. This wasn't just a, hey, we're going to go through there anyway. Let's stop and see if Job needs anything. We ought to check on him. Um, They got together and made an appointment, especially that they would meet together and go see their friend Job in his suffering. Um, He is in the greatest dire need, and they understood that what he needed was comfort and support. Um, So far, Job's friends seem like they have... Uh, they seem like they have the right heart and motive for coming to Job. Um, of course, we know that uh, this is going to change rather quickly. But but here in this passage, they are, they're right where they should be. And they're doing what brothers in the faith are supposed to do. Uh, they're coming to help. They're coming to uh, try to bring comfort. The text tells us definitively why they decided to get together and come to Job. It says they wanted to show him sympathy and comfort him no matter what we think about the friends and uh you know if you're familiar with the book you know about some of the advice they're going to give later on no matter what you think about those things we we got to admit that their intentions in the beginning were completely honorable they um it happens so often with us because you know we're not steeped in a biblical worldview that's informed by scripture and and uh well, we're, also, we're also not immersed uh, in the Word of God the way we should be, that we come, we come with the right heart to those who suffer, but the advice that we give and the manner that we come, uh, the, uh, the, the things that we tell them, the opinions that we give about God and about suffering and about how they can overcome, it, it, it's misguided. Um, so even though we may come with a right heart and right motive, it's important for us to understand that we have to have a right theology about who God is, how God operates, and uh, what suffering is and and why we we suffer It's easy to let the philosophies and psychological assertions of the world filter into our Christian counseling and and mar the whole the whole process i can uh I can remember having an interaction with a woman who was a certified christian counselor i mean this is what she did for a living she had advanced degrees in counseling and was part of a panel discussion uh, that i had which was was broadcasting and uh you know this uh there were a few of us that were pastors and some were writers and Professional people, and the reason I remember all this in the, in the context of this passage in Job is, is because her counseling methods and her insights seemed to be, and this is just my opinion, you know, I don't know her mind, but it seemed to be based all in philosophy and psychology. Her idea of helping those suffering was nowhere near to what the biblical worldview was prescribing. And I remember mentioning something in the context of our conversation that Paul said in Scripture to her. And I remember it tickled me. Her reply was, this is a Christian counselor now. Her reply was, well, Paul said a lot of things that I don't necessarily agree with. And I was thinking, wow, a Christian counselor. Uh, Paul said a lot of things that you don't really agree with. Um, That's getting... That's getting the cart way before the horse, if you ask me. And so, his friends, you know, Job's friends were would fall in this category. They they had the right heart, but they just had the wrong ideas about God. Now, I don't think most believers would go to the extreme of saying, well, you know, there's a lot of things Paul said that I don't agree with, but we've got to keep it in our minds. We've got to keep our minds and our hearts Um. Uh, Saturated with the Word of God, and that that includes what Paul wrote in the New Testament. So, um, we have to do that so that we'll be ready to give biblical answers to the tough questions. I uh, I'm recently I recently was hired, and I've been working part time as a chaplain in a hospital, and those questions are coming up, and you have to be able to give biblical answers. You can give the same old cliche, the same old patent answers, the same old things to someone who's just lost a loved one, but you to, to, um, to express the mind of God, the word of God, and to give the comfort that only God can give, um, you have to be able to give his word about what is going on, not just what I think or my opinions or what I think he's like, but what he says. Um, but you know, we're getting off track here. First things first. You uh, you may be thinking that you aren't equipped to do anything like that. You, um, it's possible that you you know that you're concerned that you are not ready to give answers firmly based in a biblical worldview. You may not even know what I'm talking about when I speak of those things, but but that's all right. We're we're getting way way ahead of ourselves when we're we're just in the you know the early stages of the book of Job. So, let's look at what these friends do in this passage and I think it'll be instructive for what our response to those hurting brothers and sisters should be. Uh, verse 12 says and when they saw him from a distance now remember they're coming from the journey when they saw him from a distance they did not recognize him and they raised their voices and wept and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven the the three friends here they're they're coming toward job and when they see him they don't even recognize him because his appearance has changed not only has he lost everything that he loves um which would have definitely changed his countenance, I'm sure. But the physical suffering of the boils from his head down to his feet, and the constant scratching with the pottery shards, probably disfigured him uh, to such an extent that that he looked like a big sack of hamburger meat. Um, I don't know if you can you can imagine something like that, but. Uh, this man was fasting. He had shaved his head. He had tore his clothes. He was sitting in sackcloth and ashes. He was covered with, from his head to his feet with boils. He was scratching and clawing at his skin with with shards of pottery. Um, you know, so all, all this was not the same man that his friends remembered the last time they saw him. He was probably well-fed, happy, surrounded by people, you know, uh life going on in his house, you know, his children, his servants, the animals, the, the all those things. Uh he was probably intricately involved in his business ventures and and going to and fro doing those things and you know, but uh they also probably uh they they must have remembered his devotion to God. And had seen that devotion played out in his life. um, Because God himself says Job was a blameless man. But uh, as they they came a little closer. Now what they saw here was a broken man. A man whose very skin bore the marks of suffering and agony. He he probably looked like a leper. Or a beggar who people would be afraid to speak to on the side of the road. Um, So think about that. What would you think... If you pass a homeless man in the street who was half naked bleeding from all parts of his skin covered with what looked like infectious boils, uh, probably wailing nonsense, you know or what you thought was nonsense, even if it was someone you knew, what do you think you would do? Would you travel a great distance to help him? would you finally go to him um what would you do and and here we see that job's friends got it right they They approached Job and his suffering was so great that he was unrecognizable to them. The sight of him probably shocked and and appalled them. Uh, it It would have been frightening, really. So what did they do? They did what any brother should do with his brother. The text first says that they raised their voices and they wept. Then they tore their own robes, signifying their mourning with Job, and threw dust over their own heads. You see, they had come there to comfort Job, but sometimes the best thing you can do is just mourn with those who mourn. Just like it says in Romans 12:15, it says, Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Um, this is what Job's friend did. They, they simply suffered with him. Um, they were just there, um, like I told you. I, I've been working as a chaplain, and you know, i although I've had many experiences with people in church who are grieving and mourning through suffering and loss. Uh, the the chaplaincy is a is a new calling for me. the The one thing that I do know is that busting into somebody's hospital room after they've received hopeless news and telling them that everything's going to be okay. With a bunch of spiritual cliches is the absolute worst thing that you can do. Um, sometimes things are just not okay, and we live in a world where things are not okay. Uh, when a family's just lost a loved one and is in the midst of their mourning process, it's just ridiculous to think that you can go in with great words of will and wisdom and tell them, "Hey, everything's okay." Um, in that instance, everything's not okay. Um, they are experiencing. Someone going through that is experiencing a grief that hurts. Um, It hurts the same way a blow to the gut hurts. In these instances, uh, the best thing that a Christian can do is just be there. Is to suffer with them and mourn with them. Let them know that you are there. That sometimes silence is the best thing that you can offer them. There's There's no simple magic phrase that's going to make the hurt go away. Um, there's just a time for you to sympathize with them and bring them the comfort that God's Word offers, but there's also a time just just to simply weep and mourn with them and to come alongside them. Um, this is one of the few things that Job's friends got right. They showed up probably having rehearsed all the grand and glorious advice they would give to Job, to counsel him through all the suffering he's experienced but when they finally laid eyes on the man there was absolutely nothing they could do but mourn with him they could uh, they just couldn't do anything but wail and cry they could do nothing just but let him let him know that they were there and they were hurting for all the things that he's gone through um when we think about well, when I think about our ministry to other people as believers, one of the things that that we always come face to face with is that it's messy and it hurts it uh it almost it's almost never neat and tidy and it's surely never easy um, it's not It's not just about having the right answers to all the questions or explaining the right processes which will help you get through all the pain it's about coming alongside those who suffer and living life with them it's it's about lifting them up out of their pain by investing your life into their pain i don't know if that i don't know if that makes sense um and it's it's a whole lot harder than just simply giving advice i mean if all you did was give advice i mean you're just the answer man but to come alongside someone suffering it it takes work it takes effort it takes a resolve that can only be found in the work of the Holy Spirit upon a person's heart um, so often we want to give some encouragement and then go back to our lives and we think that's well I've done ministry we want to uh, we want to get back uh, to the routine and And comfort our own stuff rather than place ourselves in the middle of other people's stuff. The old adage, out of sight, out of mind, holds true in every aspect. It is easy enough to forget that suffering and heartache are real when you don't have to stare it in the face every day. Um, But for believers, um, this is who we are. And this is what we do. Um, So... The thing that I draw from his friends coming to him here is that uh, just giving advice is is often, it's a good thing, Christian counseling, I don't mean to make light of that. It's a good thing from a biblical worldview, um, but discipleship, comforting the morning, helping those who are suffering, going through these things... It's not just about knowing the right words to say. Uh, I've often been in situations where I just had no idea what to say. No idea what the right words would be. Or, you know, you experience that awkward silence where you know I'm supposed to be saying something right now, but I have no idea what it is. Um, sometimes the. Fr- it's just it's just about being there the i think this is the first lesson about suffering that we learn from the book of job is is you know just sometimes you just need to shut up and be there um not just be there for a little bit but be there through the process um that's one thing that uh, that marks the true compassion of a believer is that You're not there just to give them some good advice and then go back home. You're there to help them through the suffering. Uh, Be there when everything seems to be getting better and then it takes another turn for the worse. Uh, You're to be there when the person who has lost a loved one has to go through that first Christmas or Thanksgiving without them. Um, In this instance, Job's friends were right on target and they they were in it for the long haul. Notice what verse 13 says. It says, and they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights. And no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. Now, you may think that is going, it might be going a little, a little too far. It might be a bit of an extreme. Um, their initial reaction to Job's suffering um, showed that they were really there to help. They really wanted to help. They didn't come... Uh, To lead him astray and to tell him falsehoods. You know, we often think about Job's friends as they're these evil guys wringing their hands together, seeing how far they can get Job from God. They didn't come with that intention. They came to suffer with him, and they came to comfort him. For seven days and nights they sat with him, they cried with him, they mourned in sackcloth and ashes with him. Uh, For seven days and nights no one said a word. And that is exactly what being there means. These three friends had their countries, and probably their own families and businesses, and they left those things to come and sit in silence with Job for a whole week. Notice the reason given in the text why they sat in silence so long. It says, it was because they saw that his pain was great. So here's the point. They saw that his pain was great probably greater than anything they had ever seen before. They were so shocked at his appearance that they didn't even recognize him. And so what was their tactic? They came and they just sat there with him for a week. The point of all this is it's about love. We are to love the brethren. We are to love the lost. We are to love those who are hurting. Jesus said that if you loved him, you would love that you would love the brethren. This is how the world will know that that you are my disciples, that you love the brethren. In this instance, Job's friends were demonstrating their love for him. Now, now we know that they're going to quickly go down the wrong path with their advice, and they're going to quickly start giving bad opinions and a warped worldview to Job. But here, I, I think they were on the right track. They were taking the time to invest themselves into Job. They were... Taking the time to suffer with them and sympathize with them, At this point, trying energetically to you know, comfort him it would probably have just made his suffering worse. So the question for us is, whose life are you investing in? Uh, one of the last things Jesus told his followers is to go and to make disciples. And part of that process is walking through life with those that we're discipling. A discipleship isn't teaching a class. Is it? It isn't sitting and learning in a class. It is. It is um, a relationship between believers um, that includes when we're when we're suffering. Discipling isn't just about teaching facts or belief. It's about joining our lives with those whom we're discipling. It's about comforting those in pain and ministering to the suffering, even. If that means sitting quietly for a whole week at a time.